Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy. This is my new show that airs every Tuesday and Friday. We talk all things sports, NBA, NFL, fantasy sports. Today I have an NBA guest joining me. He is from The Athletic. My guest is the great Dave Dufour. He does a fantastic job. Make sure you're following him at Dave Dufour NBA. Let's get to my interview with Dave. Dave, thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm doing really well. You know, the season started out about as well as any since I started doing this job. So it's good, uh, good time of the year. They're starting to get a little cooler. Made some chili last night, some cornbread. So, you know, basketball's back. Fall is here. Life is good. Gotta love it. Uh, so I want to talk about this season and kind of what stood out to you so far. Uh, I'm curious, which team or player has been the biggest surprise so far for you? I mean, surprise or or uh, it's kind of hard to say surprise because our expectations were so high. But I think Victor Wimbanyama has still surprised us. Um, he does a couple of things every single game that we never thought would be possible. Definitely have never seen before, and he makes it look routine and easy. Um, I, I could even say, uh, to a certain degree, Chet Holmgren has been uh, in a similar way um, a surprise. But uh, I, I, outside of those guys, I don't know. I, you know. I, Surprise, it's a little too early. It's like small sample size right now. Surprise that like Cam Thomas is a scorer like this? No, not at all. Not surprised. Um, but I, I think that uh the, the Spurs in general have, have been kind of a good surprise. They've got a few few guys there that are standing out. Zach Collins has looked great. Obviously, Devin Vassell, already a pretty good player, but I think he's had a, a really great start to the year. So the Spurs have been a surprise in, in how competitive they've been, which is funny to say. I know they lost the game by 50, but if you beat the, the, the Suns twice, I, I have to give you some respect. I feel like there's so many fun young players right now in the NBA. Like there's so many, you know, not even just the rookie class. Obviously, this rookie class is awesome with Wemby, Chet, uh, the Thompson twins. I think eventually Scoot's going to be okay. I'm a, I'm a fan of his. Uh, but even if you look at like the sophomores, the third year players, there's so much talent right now. I feel like it's a really fun time to be an NBA fan. And even if you look at the league, you know, there's obviously some great contenders and a lot of parody, but it seems like a lot of these teams that are toward the bottom of the standings have some really interesting young pieces too. And, and they're still a lot of fun. You know, a team like Detroit isn't winning games very much, but they have some really interesting young pieces. Uh, and then some of these teams like Orlando, OKC, they're ascending. And not only do they have these great young cores, but they're starting to put it together and win some games. I feel like there's just a ton of really fun young talent right now in the NBA. Would you agree with that? Yeah. One of the things we talked about on Nerder when we were previewing this season was that there is parity as far as talent goes. I mean, not overall talent because like the Nuggets have so much more talent than say that the Rockets do right now, but the Rockets still have talent and interesting players that I, that you want to see. I mean, I, I was watching Detroit and Portland the other day. Like it was on my list. I need to see this. You know, I need to see Shadon Sharp and I need to see Cade. You know, every single team has at least one guy to watch. Now for Charlotte, it is only one guy. But, you know, I mean, you, you know, every team can't can't be so lucky. But this is um, kind of what the NBA has talked about wanting for years, right? This is sort of the, the parody that we've been going for last year. It felt like an open race to to the finals, although I felt like the Nuggets were, were pretty much better than everybody in the run-up. Um, this year, I think, feels open outside of Denver. Uh, I think Denver looks like they're, they're the favorites, but everybody else probably feels like they have a pretty good shot. And it's because of that distribution of talent. You know, we're almost at the point where 
the, the folks who say we need to expand are dead on. Like there's, look at how many roster spots we have now and look at how many guys come in and out of these two-way spots. People who are on the verge of being NBA, you know, roster players. I, I think that with the, the amount of talent, Within the next five years, we, we will need two more teams just to allow some of this talent to showcase itself. There are stars sitting on the bench right now. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think, uh, you know, when we saw kind of so many like replacement players come in during COVID and you see these guys come in and, you know, some teams kind of found hidden gems that way. Uh, it really showed there's a lot of talent outside of the NBA. Obviously, there's tons of talent overseas, the G League. Like, it's it's pretty crazy how many talented players there are. And to your point, even the guy that's on the end of a bench somewhere, you know, he goes, if you see him at, like, a program in the offseason, he's dropping, like, 80 points and just dominating. So, I agree. Well, I think expansion's look at Europe. coming. Look at yeah. Europe right now. Look at how many guys this summer, a lot of NBA guys went over. I, I don't know what happened. There was an influx of cash or something. But a lot of NBA guys, it felt like this year, went over to Europe this summer. Those guys, if there was another team, you know, if there's 34 more roster spots, you know, with with the two ways and whatnot, those guys maybe don't have to go overseas. Maybe they're making more money here. Maybe the league is then making more money. I mean, Mike James absolutely cooking for Monaco, right? And uh, you're telling me this guy is like a, a fringe player in the NBA. I don't know about that. So, yeah, there's a lot of talent everywhere, man. I mean, the game globally is in a pretty good spot so would you put the expansion teams in vegas and seattle i think those are the two teams that everyone kind of or two cities everyone kind of mentions is that kind of where you would put the teams if you had to make the decision i mean business wise i mean seattle just makes so much sense number one you've got the the basketball history there with the the supersonics and also it's a gigantic tv market if those even matter anymore like, this is the other thing when we talk about expansion, we certainly, we in the NBA, we lead with Seattle and Vegas, Seattle yeah. and Vegas, because it makes the most sense from a, you know, again, history in Seattle. Vegas is just now an NBA hub. You know, you've got a very successful WNBA team there that has set sort of the, the precedent for, for sports. The Raiders are there. Um, you're going to get the A's there. Just you've got a great hockey team there. It just seems like you're going to wind up with a basketball team there. But with what the new media landscape is going to look like, does does the location matter as much? I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I think Vegas certainly makes a lot of sense just for as a hub, but does Seattle for the NBA? That That's the question I want to find out. Like, is the NBA willing to entertain a place that isn't Seattle? It's a great question. I think question. Vegas is set. I think Vegas is set. I don't know that Seattle is set. Yeah, I think there's too many people behind the scenes kind of pulling the strings too. Like we're hearing about LeBron and Shaq and people pushing for Vegas as well and trying to, you know. Well, that's going to be a celebrity ownership group, right? And, sure. and I actually think maybe even both teams that that come in will be celebrity ownership. And celebrity meaning like former players, definitely like LeBron, Shaq, you know, uh, I mean, Magic maybe can get back in on the NBA ownership action if he wants to. I, I think um, that's for sure what's going to happen with the Vegas team. The other team, though, I think and, – and if you'd asked me this five years ago, I would have said Seattle is definitely a lock. And I don't know about Vegas. But Vegas has just proven to work as a sports town in a way that Seattle, you know, like with the last time the NBA was there, was it working? Uh Clearly not well enough. So, uh, but we're in a totally different landscape. Who knows? Maybe you put a Seattle team there and it's, you know, 
the Clippers 2.0, and they have an owner that just has limit a limitless amount of money, and they can always field a contender, and they've got a great arena, and and they just print money. You never know. I think finding the right owner is going to be important for Seattle. And I, I'm always blown away. I've been out there several times for like Jamal Crawford's crossover pro-am and cover different events out there. And the fans there are so passionate about basketball. They miss the Sonics so much. You know, you still see like Sonics jerseys and shirts and stuff, you know, years and years after. So I hope they get a team just because they've been wanting one for so long. And I do think that they kind of view this as like their redemption, their chance to, you know, prove that they can be an NBA market again. And I, I think there's a ton of basketball support there. So I think it will be Seattle and Vegas. Vegas is just so interesting because to your point, you know, they've proven themselves as a sports market. And I was, you know, when I started covering sports, it was, there was so much fear about gambling and even fantasy sports. Yeah. I remember my first like few years, I was writing at a, comp- or a site called Hoops World. And back then you couldn't run gambling ads on your site or the NBA would pull your credential. Like if you were at any ties at all to like gambling whatsoever, it was your credentials were at risk. The NBA might not allow you to do certain things. You might not be able to go to different events. Like it was that big of a deal. Now, you know, you see the NBA the has NBA these deals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they have deals with FanDuel or DraftKings or whatever it is. Like there's all these different, it's so different, the landscape these days. So like, I think a lot of the fear of Vegas was, oh my gosh, these guys are going to have betting. They can bet on their own teams or it's going to be right in their backyard. And, you know, is it, is it too uh, scandalous? But now I feel like, you know, Vegas proved themselves with uh, Summer League and some all-star games and obviously having some other sports go there first. So now it seems like they're a lock. What other cities are even contenders? Because it seems like Vegas and Seattle are the top two by far. I guess, what are some other cities that could even make sense if we're talking about expansion? Well, people throw out Kansas City all the time. And, and I mean, I, I don't know if that makes any sense or not. Um, Louisville? Again, this is is like, do we care about the media market anymore or is it about basketball tradition? If we only care about basketball tradition, Louisville makes a ton of sense. I mean, that that is a Hoopsville, USA. And uh, I know a lot of people would be happy. And then when you think about the, they've got the Yum Arena already in downtown Louisville. So they would at least have a way to get started pretty quick. I mean, that's, that's half the battle is being able to have an arena that's ready for you day one. And as you speed up the entire process. And so when you look at Vegas, you look at uh, Kansas city, I think that they have a pretty good downtown basketball arena or an arena that could do basketball, at least for a few years. Louisville, those are the the places that get mentioned at the top. I think the arena helps quite a bit, but I don't see any world in which it's not Vegas and Seattle. I mean, even after I say all this, uh, why would it be Seattle? Maybe it wouldn't be, but I, I think that, it would definitely be those two. Yeah, I think it'd be so much fun to see an expansion draft. Uh, we haven't seen one of those since, you know, the Charlotte Bobcats. And that's just so fun oh, seeing, man. you know, teams protect certain players. And that's a, that's a whole fun process. That's a whole different episode. We got to do like a mock expansion draft or something. That'd be a ton of fun. But um, that actually, you mentioned that's the Denver a great Nuggets. idea. Wouldn't that be sick? There's like, you know, yeah. someone, you know, basically have someone for each team and you can protect certain players and see kind of what the pool would look like. I think that'd be fun to see, you know, who's out there. Because then you have to decide too, you know, do you keep a younger guy that hasn't really shown as much, you know, certain contracts. If a guy's a bad contract, you're going to make him available, even if he's one of your better players. It's an interesting uh, dilemma that teams will have to face once that day comes. But it'll be a lot but of fun. What if for an us. expansion team came in and just tanked right away? They were just like, yes, we're, this is, these are development years. The first couple of <laughs> years. Trust the process from day That's one. It, day one. I love it. Put Sam Hinkie in charge. I like it. That'd be hilarious. Um, 
you mentioned Denver. I agree that they're the favorite. I was actually kind of surprised uh, how many people were picking Phoenix to kind of come out of the West just because this Denver team seems so dominant. And I was even hearing some other analysts and uh, people saying that they still have the Suns coming out. You know, obviously it's a small sample size. We haven't seen Phoenix at full strength yet with Bradley Beal's injury. Um, But this Denver team just seems unbeatable. I mean, they have all the talent. They have crazy chemistry thanks to the continuity. They're well coached. I I just really don't see much of a weakness for this Nuggets team. So they're my favorite to win it all still. Um, I, I guess I don't even think there's really anyone on their tier. I think it's Denver and then, you know, not only just in the West, but overall, when you talk about contenders, there's like a, a you know, a big gap between them and everyone else. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I, I think that anybody that's looking past Denver is really, they're, they're oddly discounting the collective for the individual, even though Denver has the best individual player in the sport. It is weird, right? You're getting caught up in names and Denver has the best player in the, in the world. Um, Look, Kevin Durant is not Kevin Durant of five years ago. Kevin Durant's having a rough start to the season. I don't think physically it looks all that great. uh, Bradley Beal has yet to play a game. Devin Booker has been, he's played two games. He's been injured, right? Like, so, that, that's a little tough to deal with for them. So we don't even know what they're going to look like yet. It's all theoretical. Um, I don't think they're going to defend very well. I'm not a big believer in, in Yusuf Nurkic as some sort of uh, defensive stopper for them. I actually think DeAndre Ayton was a better player. I think they got worse uh, by getting I said the same thing hurt. on the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so for me, like Denver is, like you said, head and shoulders above uh, everybody else, especially in the West. And then I have the Warriors behind them. Because I value continuity. I mean, you know, basketball is a collective sport. It takes five people, you know, playing together and well to win a championship. This is why Denver just did it. Um, They also happen to have the best individual guy who can take over games. So, yeah, Denver. And and then it's, you know, probably Boston right now. I, I don't. I don't love what is happening with Milwaukee's defense. And until I see that sort of improve, especially transition, they just look old. You know, it's almost like everyone got old all at once um, and it doesn't look great. Maybe it's just a slow start as they're feeling each other out. But Boston looks really, really great. So I think, yeah, you've got the Nuggets uh, out ahead of everyone else, Boston behind them. And then I'd put probably the Warriors and Bucks in that next tier. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Prize Picks. If you haven't tried daily fantasy sports on Prize Picks, you're missing out. You pick two to six players and whether they'll score more or less points than their prize pick projection. If you're right, you win big. You can win 25 times your money on any entry. At prize picks, you aren't competing against other people, which might include experts and sharks. It's just you versus the projections. Prize picks offers projections on virtually every sport NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, and more. You can mix and match players from different sports, so you could have Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes in the same entry, for example. If you download Prize Picks today and use the promo code RUNNING, they'll double your deposit up to $100. That is the promo code RUNNING, and they will match your deposit up to $100. It takes 30 seconds or less to build a lineup. To show you how easy it is, I'm going to build an entry right now. All right, so we're on Prize Picks. I'm going to go Fantasy Score. Let's go... Jalen Brown, less than 33.5 fantasy points. And then let's go over to the NFL rushing yards. Jonathan Taylor has been more and more involved in that backfield. So I'm going to go Jonathan Taylor 
more than 68.5 rushing yards. Let's do a $20 entry. If I hit, I triple my money. Just like that, we're good to go. We're entered. Thank you to Prize Picks for sponsoring this episode. Use the promo code RUNNING and they will double your deposit up to $100. That is the promo code RUNNING. Let's get back to the episode. I mentioned Orlando briefly. Um, you know, I, I'm based in Orlando, so I've got a chance to cover this team and, and see this team up close. And they're number two right now in the NBA in defense. And I think Jamal Mosley deserves a ton of credit. He has them playing super hard and they're hustling like crazy. And, you know, they're they're definitely frustrating to play against if you're another team. You're going to have to work for your points. And um, I, I'm a big fan of kind of what they're building, not only long term, but entering the season. They were kind of my pick as a surprise team that could maybe make the playoffs or at least the play in. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of what Orlando is building? I feel like it's pretty rare for a team to have two six foot eleven creators, and they're trying to do a better job putting you know shooters around those guys so they have spacing. And uh, you know, obviously the defensive uh, side of things has really taken a step forward. But I've been really impressed. What are your thoughts on the Magic so far? Well, John Hammond has kind of taken the approach that he used in Milwaukee. And applying it to every single position. And it is fascinating. They play a very old school style of basketball, too. Like they they're real tough, but young, which is unique because usually when we think about tough teams, it's always, you know, grizzled veterans and, you know, a bunch of, you know, guys that grab their hard hat. And these are 6'11 guys who will dribble around you, but then also maybe shove you into the third row, right? Like <laughs> I'm also a massive fan of Gogo Patazde. I think that, um, he is a hidden gem for them. He's got a super high basketball IQ. I mean, he had five blocks in the game the other day. I think as a, as a center, his ability to run the floor with those other bigs is extremely unique. He also can stretch the floor. I, I think I trust him more as a shooter than I do Paolo right now. Um, he's actually got a really great pick and pop game. Mm-hmm. Um, I like everything they're doing there. The only thing that they're short on is a high-level creator uh, point guard who can shoot off the dribble and they've managed to get by because Cole Anthony is a solid pro player, a uh, solid starter, I would say. And, and you know, and then Jalen Suggs kind of shows you stuff here and there. And it, it's an interesting group. Are they a play in team? I'm not sure. Probably that I think they're like going to be in the mix for that ninth or 10th spot, but I, there was a lot of promising signs. I, I watched their game against Dallas. Uh, was that yesterday? Uh, it yep. might have been yesterday. It yeah, was. I watched the game against Dallas yesterday. There's a lot of promising signs, but you saw some of the flaws kind of come up late. And, of course, Luka Doncic is Luka Doncic. If the Magic had Luka Doncic, they're probably – we're probably talking about uh, an Eastern Conference Finals run at the least. So, oh, man. Yeah, um, that would you know, be crazy. Like, let's give them a differentiator like that, and, and maybe we can raise the expectations. But this team is it's promising. It's very promising. Yeah, I'm a, I was at the game last night, and it was crazy. Orlando looked like the better team for most of that game. And then, you know, toward the end, they obviously weren't able to uh, keep their foot on the gas, and, and Dallas was able to come back. But, yeah, I mean, even that game, they made Luka work for everything. Uh, you know, the defense is, is really impressive. That's what kind of stood out to me. And you're right. I think Jalen Suggs, I love his defense and his hustle plays and all that. Offensively, you know, he had been shooting the ball a little better, but uh, – I think they need more from him there. And then it's crazy because Suggs, Markel Fultz, and Anthony Black are very similar players in that they're defensive pests. Uh, they're good passers. 
but they're not the best shooters. And so again, from like a spacing standpoint, I know they signed Joe, In- Joe Ingles hoping that he would kind of provide that spacing and three-point shooting, and he just has not been shooting the ball. Not, uh, unfortunately, not- Joe Joe's a little bit, uh, I think, past, past the point of usefulness, I think, for a competitive think, basketball team. Yeah, I mean, he's 36. He's been great as like the off-court veteran, you know, got locker room guy, all that kind of stuff. But it's not even that, I mean, he's shooting the ball poorly, obviously, but like for a while, he wasn't even shooting. That was the problem. Like he's going out there and just like passing and uh, not really shooting a whole lot. So I think they were hoping he could kind of be that, that spacing, you know, provide spacing and shooting. But I'm looking right now, he's shooting 21% uh, on the year from three. And for a while, he just was not shooting. So yeah, yeah I think that's going to be the next as Magic team, kind of finding that spacing and shooting. I know they drafted Jet Howard. Magic fans are kind of calling for him and hoping that they can see him sooner than later. Anthony Black has looked really good in like the limited. Uh, he's a hooper. I think he's I'm, a, I'm a big fan of him. I mean, yeah. I, I love this young core. I'm excited to see kind of what they can do going forward. Um, speaking of the other other young cores, this Oklahoma City Thunder team right now they're four and three. You mentioned Chet, him being one of the biggest surprises and and pleasant surprises. Um, I kind of love what this team is building as well. It's crazy to think that this core. I mean, if it was just this core, they had no future picks. People would be excited about what they're going to become in a few years. But when you throw in 15 first round picks, 23 or whatever it is, second round picks in the next couple of years. It's just going to be wild to see what they can build and how good this team can be. What are your thoughts on Chet, OKC, and kind of the future there? Well, Chet is incredible. I mean, what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball, I was not expecting. I mean, you look at how he's attacked closeouts, but also has has confidently shot three. He's looked fantastic, pushing the ball up in transition grab-and-go rebounds, um, even just bringing the ball up as, as like, the play initiator um, from, from like, uh, semi-transition. I I think um, he clearly, the year that he had around them, built a lot of confidence. Um, So he's looked fantastic. Team in general, I mean, they have an overwhelming amount of of young talent to the point where you already, and it sucks because this is sort of just how the – the, the game works, right? The CBA is set up this way, but you start thinking about the clock and this is where all those picks come in. All that, the future assets that they have, those can either be used to consolidate a couple of these guys into big time talent or when they inevitably get too expensive, this is to yep. replenish the cupboard because the Oklahoma City Thunder, I don't expect to see them paying a tax. Definitely not a second apron team. Um, it's going to get too expensive, I think, before this iteration hits the point where they're a championship-level team. And that's unfortunate. Um, I'm not sure like that there's a, a, a way for them to get around it unless guys hit two years early. Like If Chet is just, okay, I'm ready to be a Defensive Player of the Year candidate today. And maybe he is. I mean, when you watch how he plays, I mean, he's not – it's not like he's far off. Um but but also maybe he's got to be a third team All NBA level player. I mean, it, I think it t- takes two guys that are All NBA at this point to uh, to be able to be in the the conference finals. So um, it's a it's a great story. The asset collection is, is a good joke, you know, for us to make fun of. But it's an unfortunate reality of a team that is going to eventually run into a money problem when it comes to all the young talent they have, they have a lot of young talent all roughly around the same time of service. And so you're going to, that bill just comes due so fast, but I'm hoping it's not a redux of that 
you know, that Russell Westbrook, KD, James Harden uh, Thunder team where they, they get really close and then they have to start making the financial decisions because they're a lot of fun. And Mark Dagnall's a hell of a coach. Some of the stuff that he has them doing, they run pick and rolls from just every direction in weird and, and interesting combinations. And then they defend pick and rolls from every direction in weird and different combinations. And so um, unique system, unique setup. And my understanding is that Dagnall has an open door policy. So that helps him coach. Uh, helps him relate to his players a little bit better. So um, they have a great thing going. What about you? What do you think? Like, are, am I am I overstating the uh, the the sort of financial peril? No, I, mean, I this think is, you're. This is every NBA team, right? It's four years essentially. I think you're right. Uh, I had Jake Fisher on the show last week, and we kind of talked about this. And I I made the point. I was like, either they need to start trading some of these picks to like move up and and you know. Uh, be able to get like a top draft pick and you know package couple picks together. We've already seen them start to do that a little bit, um, or try to package some of these picks or players with for like a star player that becomes available. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a real possibility that they just use these picks to replace some of the guys that end up leaving in free agency. Because you're right, there is a money component here. Uh, you know, as it, it sucks the fact that a small market team uh, and certain owners, you know, certain owners can't pay what other owners can. Obviously, every team would love to have a Steve Ballmer that can just, you know, spend whatever. Um, but I don't think that's the reality there. So I do think that there's a uh, a chance we see some of those draft picks used to kind of replace these young guys that, you know, I, I agree with you. I wish that we could see this team stay together and, and reach their whole potential. But I think it's going to be really tough. And at the very least, it's just awesome to have that kind of uh, safety net if you're Sam Presti, knowing, okay, even if we do lose one or two of these guys, we do have the ability to replace them because a lot of teams don't have that. Um, and then, again, I think they're a team to watch if a, a notable player pops up. I, they're not quite there yet. I know Sam Presti's been asked about, you know, at what point do you look to maybe package some of your assets for that big splash uh, superstar-type move? And I know that he said they don't. he doesn't feel like they're there yet. But, like, a year or two from now, if Chet and uh SGA and like they they feel like they're one piece away like a one star level player away I wouldn't be, be surprised if we see them package some of these assets and maybe you know a couple picks uh, at the end of the day they can beat any team's offer like that's a amazing position to be in knowing that at any point in time if there is a superstar player available we have the best offer in the NBA I, I think that's really really valuable um so I could see them I could see them going that route in a lot of ways, this this relies on Josh Giddy because I think they have three guys right now. I mean, Shea Gildas Alexander is an MVP level, like yeah. MVP candidate level guy, all NBA first team. That's he's set. We know that. I think Jalen Williams, J Dub, I think he's a guy. Um, Chet Holmgren is a guy, like it's a real player. Yeah. And if Josh Giddy can just he's got to fix, he's got some flaws, right? That he's got to fix. He's got to be able to defend at a higher, at a high level, I think, not just average, to to be able to be out there. And he's got to figure out a way to make some shots. Passing out of drives is killing him. Um, he's they don't teams don't worry about him when he's on the perimeter. And he's a great passer and he's big and he's strong. And so some of those things come into play. But ultimately, it's going to be about how high, like where is his ceiling. That will that will determine how fast they can be in in some sort of contention. Because if he hits and is is a guy, 
Well, then all of a sudden you've got four, and that's basically right. what you need in the NBA, right? Yeah, and then at that point, if he, if he can hit, then they become really scary without even adding anyone else. And that's right. where it gets kind of nuts. It's like, okay, you have a perfect young core that could be a really good team, and then these 15 draft picks that are coming up, and that's just the first rounders. Like, what do you even do with those? Um, it's a great problem to have your Sam Presti, obviously. So yeah. I, I just am so fascinated by the whole situation. And, uh, you know, props to them, not only for being able to stockpile those kind of picks, but also having the right talent evaluators to be able to hit on so many of these young guys because they look great. I mean, they're doing an awesome job there. And it'll be fun to see kind of what that team looks like when they reach their full potential. Um, yeah. I'm curious, of the teams that got off to a slow start, you know, Memphis, uh, Sacramento, uh Miami, but I know they've won two in a row now. Which team are you most concerned about? Is there, you know, a team that you're kind of hitting the panic button? I know it's still very early, obviously, but of those teams that are off to a slow start, is there one that you're more worried about than the others, maybe? I mean, Memphis for sure, because, you know, a lot of focus has been on Ja coming back eventually, and that's going to help their their offense. They're not getting Brandon Clark back anytime soon, and Steven Adams is out for the year. That's what's killing their offense right now. I mean, this is a team that has basically led the league in shot attempts the last few seasons. This is kind of the secret sauce to their offense is they get second chance points. They get, you know, a lot of the rebounds, you know. Um, Jaron Jackson's not much of a rebounder at either end. Part of that is role, but part of that is just, you know, he's not he's not like a dog on on the glass. And they're missing those guys. Uh, rebounding quite a bit. Yeah, they're going to get Jai, and that's going to help. They they get another guy out there to stir the drink. But I, I just think there's no way for them to replace what what they're missing. I mean, Bismack Biombo though is going to give them some pretty good minutes. I, I think that they're going to they're going to go on a nice little run now that they just have a solid center there, sliding Jaron more down to the four. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm nervous about them. Miami, I don't know. I, I, Miami is is in the the kind of cool zone as far as an NBA franchise goes. Uh, last year they were atrocious in the regular season, and then they ran off to the finals. This year looks about the same, right? Atrocious start. They look rough. Where's the shooting going to come from? The offense just stinks. Ah, uh, these games are a slog, and I expect we'll be talking about them in late May. So I, I, you know, I just I can't be too worried. Sacramento, no De'Aaron Fox. Um, I'm not I'm not too worried about them. I think when he comes back, they'll, they'll right the ship and and get right back to where they were. But Memphis has some real problems. Uh, um, it's not looking good for them. I was wrong about this Memphis team. I'll, I'll say it. Entering the year, my take was you know 25 games. Yeah, it's a lot, but. By the second half of the season, they're going to be one of those teams. And we've seen in the past, they played pretty well whenever Ja was out. Obviously, the Steven Adams and Brandon Clark situation, that that obviously doesn't help. But my thought was like, they can be decent enough to get through those 25 games. And they'll be one of those teams in the second half where they're much better than their record indicates. And they could be like a sneaky playoff team, you know, that could make some noise in the playoffs, maybe because they're better than the record. But I've been so wrong. I mean, they just have not looked good. Uh, it's it's pretty rough out there. So Desmond Bain has looked great. Oh, absolutely. I'm a huge Desmond Bain fan. I've been like on the bandwagon since his college days. I love his game. I think he's also like the a dream as far as like a locker room guy, glue guy, knows his role. Um, I'm a huge fan of him. It just seems like uh, it's just such a different team than what we've seen in the past. And just uh, they don't look like themselves whatsoever. And part of that's because they have new pieces, obviously. That's, that's going to be part of it. But um, I think they're 
I don't know if they're, I think there's going to be a playoff team ultimately, but I don't think they're a team that's going to make much noise in the nah, playoffs. No one, I, think they're I don't like think anyone's worried. Yeah, I don't think so yeah. either. Um, so we've talked a lot about the Western Conference. I want to get your thoughts on the top of the East. Obviously, Philly makes the James Harden trade, and and Jake Fisher was saying that they're trying to flip the, some of those assets to find a third star, You know, whether that's a Zach Levine or a Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi or someone that they can kind of bring in as that third star, star alongside Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Boston I love that Maxi. I love that Maxi in like three weeks has become the second star next to Joel. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I, that's uh, maybe a bit of high praise there. Uh, star potential. We'll say I, that. I think he's. I think he's going to be a star. But I do. I do find it funny because people were like, "What are the What are the Sixers going to do without James Harden?" Well, they got Tyrese Maxi. Yeah, I, I like some of the jokes being like, "Man, they need to." They need to put more uh, a better supporting cast around Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> you see a lot of that yeah. on Twitter now, too. Um, but, like, Boston looks incredible. I mean, they just look fantastic. Uh, you mentioned some of the concerns about Milwaukee. What are your thoughts uh, about the top of the East? I think there's more depth in the Western Conference. Like, you know, there's going to be some really good teams in the West that miss the playoffs uh, or, you know, at least are in the play-in just because uh, there's a lot of contenders out there. Right. The East, it feels like there's a couple teams at the top and then quite a big gap um there's interesting teams but what are your thoughts kind of the top of the east well i mean i I think it's it's boston and then milwaukee and then way lower down would be the 76ers yeah um and i and i only have boston above milwaukee for now i mean i just need to see more effort on defense for the bucks um but i do think it's boston's sort of this this is the year that they should they should run away and, and make the finals. I mean, they have every single piece you could want. The Porzingis move is working out beautifully. Yeah. You can see, like, just even defensively, like he's flying out to half court sometimes on these traps. Um, his three point shooting has helped him quite a bit. So I, I, I think Boston clearly is the favorite, but Philly is interesting. I mean, they're now deeper than they were. You know, they picked up a couple of guys. They got Batum. They got Robert Covington. I mean, these are guys that that should be in their rotation. And it just kind of shores them up for the reg- the regular season run. You know, if they can figure out a way to get keep Embiid's minutes low, you know, obviously that's always a challenge. But get themselves into that three seed, get to the playoffs. I mean, you know that Joel Embiid is a hard task for a lot of teams. Um, maybe you're you're – you run into Boston, and that's a better matchup for them, I would think. And you can defend them well enough that that Joel's scoring kind of carries you through a, a six or seven game series win. It gives them a puncher's chance, but yeah, I think realistically, unless they can go out and get a real high impact two way guy, like if they could trade for Kawhi Leonard, I'd be like, oh yeah, the Sixers, mm-hmm. watch out for them. If they could trade for Pascal Siakam. And, and yeah. keep some of their depth. I'd like the Sixers a lot, but I do think that they're they're one sort of high level guy short right now. Yeah, Siakam is so interesting. Uh, I talked about it with Jake Fisher and Sam Amick when they were on the show. It, it sounds like he's available. You know, if the team can kind of present the right offer. Uh, Sam was saying it's funny because you know Pascal wants to be in Toronto, uh, and it seems like they just are open to moving him, and maybe don't have that same. It's not, it doesn't seem like the feeling is mutual. They don't really want to build around him going forward. Obviously, now Scotty Barnes has taken a huge step forward, and it seems like he's their number one guy going forward. But I, I do think that uh, 
Siakam, Zach Levine, like we could see some of these guys move potentially this year, next offseason. I think like that is very possible. So it's very interesting. That, that'll be something to watch. Um, Levine might come to a head. I mean, this is the, the Bulls are kind of sad. So the Levine thing, I, I think if you're a team that's interested in him, you'd rather get him now than this summer. You know, yeah. uh, again, there's a lot of parity and, and injuries happen to every single team. So uh, if you're if you feel like you're close enough, why not? I mean, he he's a guy that fits in a lot of places. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Uh, I'm curious what the asking price would be if you're Chicago. I'd imagine they're going to want quite a bit. But that Chicago situation is very interesting just in general. You know, will they blow it up? Uh, DeMar DeRozan is another name that's kind of been mentioned out there as someone that could be available. So we'll see what uh, Chicago does. But I want your take on the other side of the James Harden trade, this Clippers team. We saw Harden make his debut. Um, I feel like it's interesting. There's a lot of like fans out there that are like, no one is beating this you know, these four players in a playoff series. And they're talking about Russ, Harden, Kawhi, PG. And like, I get why that's so appealing on paper, but I'm curious how it's going to translate on the court. Uh, you know, they, I, I think the trade makes sense. They, they clearly didn't think they had enough to win it all uh, as currently constructed. So they make the trade. You don't have to give Terrence Mann. Um, you know, there were some questions of, oh, are they bidding against themselves? And did they give up too much just because they didn't seem like there was really another serious suitor? But uh, what are your thoughts on kind of Harden's fit in L.A. and this team's ceiling? Um, I think as far as the fit goes, you know, it's another ball handler. They run a lot of isolation. I don't really know what it's going to wind up looking like. In the game last night, you know, when when it was Harden, Zubach, and bench guys, I thought, oh, okay, this makes a lot of sense. He's going he's gonna to chew through minutes. He's going to be able to score when – Kawhi and Paul George aren't out there. It's a lot of standing around for Kawhi and Paul George, though. And those guys are just better. They're, I Frankly, I, I like the ball in their hands more. Um, I think they're just more dangerous players, especially with no off-the-ball off movement. So unless they're going to make some changes to the offense that are drastic, I'm not sure what exactly the point is. Although you've you got to think, with the injury history of the guys involved here, James Harden adding him to the mix, that gives you a nice little buffer. So if Kawhi has to miss three or four games, you've got high-level point guard play. If James Harden's got to miss three or four games, you've got Kawhi, you've got PG, you've got, you know, you've got Russ. Um, we'll see how it works. I, I think we got to give it a couple weeks, let them work out the pecking order amongst themselves, and then we can start to judge it. Judging these guys, I mean, literally one game. On the road, Harden hasn't played all year at all. Didn't play in training camp. Give him a couple weeks. I, I think it'll be okay. As far as the ceiling goes, I mean, this is like a first or second round out. This, like they're not much better, uh, especially when it comes playoff time. I'm just not a believer that Harden has that that in him, and he's old. So I don't think he's going to somehow figure it out this year. Um, it's not a championship-level move for sure. The championship-level move for them is Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being healthy in April, May, and potentially right. June. If those guys are out there and healthy, they can make a conference finals. They could potentially make a finals. If James Harden is affecting the outcome of the Clippers come playoff time, they're out of here. That's where we're at on the James Harden move. I think the scariest thing for Clippers fans is that 
Kawhi and PG can opt out next year. James Harden's a free agent. And so you're looking at a, a scenario where you could lose all three guys and you've given up future picks potentially. And, and then it's harder to kind of rebuild and uh, bounce back from that. So I, I think, um, you know, I, I wonder if maybe they had talked to Kawhi and PG and there was a commitment kind of behind the scenes uh, in order to kind of pull off a move like this. Uh, but I don't know. It's, it's interesting. That's, that's pretty risky to kind of go all in on this season, especially because to your point, when I see that core, my mind doesn't immediately go, oh my God, that's a top team in the West. They're a right. championship contender. That's a big risk to take for a team that maybe got better or minimally better. I don't think they're, you know, leaps and bounds better. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens there. Uh, the other team in LA, I want to ask you about the Lakers. They're three and four right now. Um, you know, last year after that midseason shakeup, everything kind of changed and, and they went on the run. And so I think entering this season, the thought was if they can just pick up where they left off and made some interesting additions in the offseason, you know, could they be one of the top teams in the West? Again, still very early. I think this core does have potential still. Uh, but what are your thoughts on kind of this Lakers team and and what do you think they could are, are they a contender in your mind? Coming into the season. I actually had high expectations. I, I thought that they did a pretty good job, at least filling out, um, you know, some of the spots they needed help at. I thought Tarian Prince was a good pickup. You know, Rui Hachimura spent the summer working out with, with those coaches, and you know, you you, you hope things are going to go the way that they're going to go. And, and then the season has started out for them in kind of. I don't know, uh, less than ideal fashion. LeBron is already running through his minutes load. Um, and they're still losing games, even though he's, you know, playing above this, this sort of threshold that they had set for him coming into the season. Anthony Davis suffered, a, you know, some sort of a groin injury. And, and who knows, like, he's not likely to miss any time. But this is sort of how it starts with Anthony Davis when he does start to miss games here and there. And their other guys just haven't really played well. Gabe Vincent's going to miss a couple of weeks. Austin Reeves has had a rough start to the season. Uh, Rui's been out. Jared Vanderbilt's been out. Torian Prince is Torian Prince in a in too high of a role. Um, it's just not going well. I don't know if they've got any sort of a, a switch that they can flip. I don't know if they have the ability to go out at the trade deadline and make a bunch of deals that make them better again. Yeah. I don't know what to think. It all resides on LeBron James in year 21. Can he carry them? And that seems like we probably know the answer. You know, his games played the last five years. I mean, it's, it's not great. I don't think he's going to be able to play all 82 and definitely not all 82 if he's having to carry the load that he's carrying right now. So it doesn't look good for the Lakers. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, uh, it's interesting. They're asking a lot of LeBron and to, to say early on and kind of stress that he's going to play fewer minutes and then basically abandon that like two games later. Or I think even the next game. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild. So I, I think they were maybe expecting more from Austin Reeves. And there was a lot of hype about Reeves entering the season after the World Cup. And, you know, I think at one point he was the like World the World Cup was bad for PR for a bunch of people. And Austin Reeves, J- uh, Jaron Jackson, I, I feel yeah. like a lot of guys have some stink on him coming off that World Cup run. And I think that that's part of it with Austin Reeves. He hasn't been good, but I think the the little bit of that World Cup stink is is hurting him too. I think the expectations were just so high too. Like he was the favorite to win most improved player at one point. And that's after he already kind of took a step forward last year. 
you know, and had his playoff run and everything, everyone was thinking he'd win most improved player, or at least he was the favorite, like, uh, you know, in sports books and everything. So I don't know. I think, you know, that's been part of it as well. People were expecting this big leap from him. Like, oh, he looked good in the World Cup at times. And uh, maybe this is the year he, you know, really breaks out. Um, but yeah, it just hasn't really happened. But it's obviously very early in the season still. We'll see what happens. Um, Dave, it's always fun to uh, to pick your brain. Can you tell people yeah, where yeah. they can find your work and listen to your stuff? I, everything is at The Athletic uh, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Athletic NBA show, we're Monday through Friday. Um, and, and then also I've been doing a lot of stuff over at The Athletic NBA show YouTube account. We're trying to get more and more video content, more fun stuff. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of work there. Awesome. Everyone, make sure you follow him on Twitter too, at Dave Before NBA. Check out all of his work. He does a fantastic job. And if you guys want to watch more episodes of Running Up the Score, you can watch it on Twitter, X, whatever, uh, YouTube. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you want there. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating review. It really helps the show. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot. <laughs>